Welcome to Strategy Talk, where the editors and contributors of Strategy Watch discuss current events and other military-related topics with a splash of history. I'm your host, Dan Masterson. Joining us today is Jim Dunnigan, editor of Strategy Page, well-known military author, and acknowledged pioneer and innovator in board war games. Also joining us today is Austin Bay, associate editor of Strategy Page, military author, columnist, and retired Colonel U.S. Army Reserves. Welcome, Austin and Jim. There's a term being thrown around, Jim, called near-peer war. What does that actually mean? Well, it means fighting a war against someone who is armed, uh, equipped, and supplied, uh, roughly uh, equivalent to the United States, and able to give the United States a real problem, you know, in in a in any future war or battle. Now, until recently, the only uh, two near peer adversaries the Pentagon considered were Russia and China. Now, Russia has already played its card. It's had a few surprises, but not many. The biggest surprise was the Russians weren't ready. They got obliterated by the Ukrainians. Now, the, the, uh, the smart money was on the Russians. But for those who paid attention to what went on in uh, Ukraine uh, after the 2014 Russian uh, you know, capture of Crimea and parts of two provinces in the, in the east, Donbass, uh, the Ukrainians got cracking, and they really got their act together, so to speak. So when the Russians did invade, the Ukrainians had already uh, talked us into sending them uh, more um, uh, modern anti-tank weapons, like Javelin and, and the British and the Swedes and, and sundry other suppliers uh, were quick to follow. This enabled the Ukrainians not only to stop the Russian invasion in the north, but to obliterate it. Uh, the problem the Russians had was they didn't realize how vulnerable their tanks were to top attack. This is the yeah, this is the attack method that most of most modern Western uh, anti-tank weapons use, where it basically fires its uh, charge, as it were, its shape charge or metal shape charge uh, into the top of the tank. The Russians are all using autoloaders. They have been since the 1960s. Now it's been noted. In the few cases where the Russians came up against uh, top attack weapons, like there were some tow weapons in, in Syria of all places, that the Russian tanks invariably went kaboom. Now the reason for that was they put a lot they put a lot of shells into the turret, uh, including their 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 charges, which you know are propellant charges, which are the really explosive stuff. The shells are fairly you know invulnerable or less vulnerable to an explosion. Um, and, uh, you know, it was, it was shocking. Um, and the U- Ukrainians basically have obliterated over 1,700, well, nearly 2,000 Russian tanks so far. Uh, the Russians have run out of tanks. Um, they have a few, they're st- they still have a few newly produced uh, T90Ms, uh, uh, which are basically an export version of, the, of an advanced uh, T72 variant, which the Russian army itself uses, um, but they all had this uh, this flaw. Now the Russians have been have been seen via satellite, uh, apparently prepping some of their T14 tanks. Now, this is their new tank. It's heavier, 
it's a, it's a unique design that everybody's talked about it, but only Russians have done it. It has a two-man crew. They sit inside the tank uh, in, a, in, a, in a basically a fortified capsule, and they control the tank remotely. Uh, now, the Russians feel that this is impervious to, uh, to top attack. They don't know. I don't, I don't believe they tested it. But they're apparently prepping uh, some of the ones they have. They only have a few dozen uh, to, to send. But they may be sending some into Ukraine because they haven't got much of anything else to send in. Um, the other problem with the uh, with the near with the with the Russian tanks is that they uh, they have they have the same problem that the Ukrainian tanks have, but they haven't learned how to use it, how to cope with it. The Ukrainians have. They use their T-72s and 280s, which is a, another variant of the T-72. Um, but only for support fire. They stay back. And if the Russians have any top attack weapons, they'll have a hard time getting a shot at the uh, Ukrainian tanks. So the Ukrainians are aware of it. That's why they're so desperate to get their hands on Western tanks, especially Leopards and uh, M1s. Uh, the M1s have basically have, are practically invulnerable to most weapons. Uh, and they, and they are, they're less likely to be uh, damaged uh, destroyed by a top attack weapon because the Western tanks use a different system. The, first of all, they use a manual loader, and they have very few shells in the in the turret. And most of the shells are, are in a bustle in the back of the turret, which has a blowout panel, meaning that if there is an explosion there, the panel is in the rear of the bustle, and the explosion goes backwards, not into the crew compartment. Um, so I don't know if the Russians are trying to uh, to include this in their or anything like it in their uh, in their T14, but apparently it doesn't. It uses the autoloader, the two-man crew, which means the each T72 has to have a support crew real standing you know near, nearby to the battle zone to do. That means that the two-man crew can't handle. Um, but they you know they. They haven't actually sent them in yet. They had some T T fifty seven. They're stealth fighters, which are not that stealthy, but they have got a squadron in service, and they're apparently moving sent some of them to the uh, near Ukraine. And they may simply use them to launch, you know, missiles. The Russians are running out of missiles. Uh, they they've been reduced to using anti ship missiles, which don't carry much of a warhead, and their guidance system is not as accurate as a, a purpose built. You know, ground to air missile, a ground to uh, surface air to ground missile, um, and uh, they're still using the uh, the uh, Iranian uh, cruise missiles, which are uh, low, slow, and easy to shoot down. So, you know, the Russians basically were a bust as a near per adversary. Now, the Chinese are paying attention to this, very close attention. Uh, they they basically uh, uh, told the Russians no nukes. And the Russians cannot, you know, cross the Chinese because what little support they get comes from the Chinese in terms of, you know, equipment. They can't get weapons from the Chinese, but they can get a lot of other stuff. Um, and they, they need that desperately because uh, they've just announced a new mobilization, a quiet mobilization, as they call it. They're going to call up half a million to 700,000 troops. The problem is they can't train them adequately they can't equip them and they're having serious problems right now with uh 
with desertion, mutinies, and uh, and people, you know, desperately trying to get away from Russia so they don't get, you know, mobilized. Uh, Russia has tried to use this to their advantage by telling uh, key manufacturers that if they can deliver whatever they have to deliver, uh, their personnel will be exempt from mobilization. Whether or not that will work remains to be seen. But the Russians are having a, uh, you know, a really hard time. Now, the Chinese are taking advantage of it in that they are approaching the Central Asian countries, the five stands, which are very unhappy with the, uh, with the invasion of Ukraine. They have not approved it, as it were. And I don't know what they've quietly told Russia, but apparently don't touch us. They have apparently cooperated or simply being paranoid. They've expelled uh, a, hundred, a lot of the hundred, several hundred thousand uh, Russians uh, that fled to their countries um, to avoid getting conscripted. They closed the borders. Uh, the only place where the people are getting through in very small numbers is the small border uh, between Norway and Russia. At least two people have gotten through, but the border guards are out in force and they apparently have orders to shoot to kill because they fired on on the, on the two that uh, were known to escape. The um, uh, Now, these, these border controls uh, only make it possible for the border guards to extract larger bribes to sort of look the other way. So people will still be getting out. But like I say, even the people they get are going to be very reluctant and and they're not going to be encouraged by the fact that the uh, the Russian government hasn't got a lot of supplies, you know, beyond uniforms and sometimes not even that uh, to uh, equip them for uh, combat. So, you know, China realizes that if they're going to be a real near peer adversary for the United States, they have to take a close look at what happened to Russia and see that it doesn't happen to them. Now, the main problem with a war with China is Taiwan. Uh, the Chinese are really intent on taking Taiwan, and we have basically made them more nervous by increasing and speeding up our, the arms exports to Taiwan. Taiwan, for a long time, uh, had a hard time getting uh, new equipment from us because the Chinese threat threatened us, you know, with economic or whatever. Well, we've pretty much written off the Chinese as an economic partner, as have many other countries. And, of course, China is undergoing a huge problem internally because of the, uh, the, the COVID-19, a new strain is causing them, you know, serious, you know, losses. And uh, they have another problem, which, uh, you know, they can't ignore, is that because of the one-child policy for three decades, which only really ended, you know, about five, ten years ago, uh, and now parents refuse to have more than one child, uh, that uh, they're running out of uh, a working force uh, people at all under any circumstances, as well as soldiers. Uh, so China may not be too anxious to uh, to step into uh, where you know Russia has got their you know uh, you know got toasted as it were in a near peer war. So it may work to our advantage, but long term, uh, the Chinese are basically uh, drawing the uh, the stands closer to them. Uh, some of the stands have oil, which they're more than willing to uh, to ship directly to China rather than go through Russia. Uh, Russia can't sell its oil. Russia is doing long-term damage to its economy, and the Chinese don't want to be a uh, you know a victim of that sort of thing. And of course, Xi, you know the the uh, <laughs> the equivalent of Putin because he's also made himself you know leader for life. Uh, he's getting very nervous because he has one problem after another, 
and uh, he doesn't want any war. So this may work out to our advantage in the short term, uh, but in the long term, you know, the Chinese are very resourceful, and they may come up with ways they think will get around uh, the uh, the dark side of near peer wars. Austin, near peer wars. Well, what's it all about? Jim, uh, Jim gave a good uh, uh, definition. Uh, of what you see, looking actually at evaluating uh, two potential uh, antagonists, and that is uh, uh, similar weapons, even uh, in the case of Ukraine and Russia, at least uh, fairly similar uh, operational organizations. Uh, difference, though, the differences, and once you begin to push it, you see they emerge. And the first First difference is nuclear weapons, which used to be thought of as a real differentiator. We've seen that there's a, a point that uh, there's an unwillingness or the, in, the side having nuclear weapons realize they pay a huge uh, diplomatic, political, uh, economic price and maybe even uh, a military price if uh, they actually use uh, uh, the nuclear weapons. And that's something that we've talked about in previous strategy talks about reaction to uh, Russian use of nuclear weapons uh, in Europe or even with a demonstration blast. But I made a little list of, and Jim touched on some of them, of potential near-peer wars. Obviously, Ukraine and Russia uh, counts as one for at least the, the similar equipment, at least at the start. Uh, and then I'll get into their difference. And, and India versus China, huge. The two Asian giants, they're both nuclear powers. U.S. versus China, uh, uh, Jim's already touched on that. Even though they're real differences once you start start analyzing. But the question there is, is how big, uh, assuming, making the assumption that China's move is uh, to the east, in other words, Taiwan, that Taiwan puts up an initial fight. And think of Taiwan as a US ally. I'll get back to that in a second. Now, uh, India versus Pakistan used to be a, a near peer, even despite India's huge size. Maybe not anymore because the Pakistan is in such a miserable shape. And India has been modernizing both its ground and air forces. I, I think strategy page, I'm going to give us a little pat on the back on that. It's has covered it well because India has had a lot of procurement problems, but they haven't had the same kind of procurement problems that uh, uh, Pakistan has. But that's still a dangerous war because they both have nuclear weapons. Uh, South Korea versus North Korea. North Korea is not anywhere near a peer of South Korea. The South Korean forces now, especially if they're uh, getting their their strike eagles, their their smart missiles, uh, integrating their uh, uh, counterattack plan uh, with the U.S., beginning to integrate it with uh, Japan. Maybe it's already integrated, but they don't talk about it uh, uh, politically. Uh, South Korea can take down uh, North Korea. But it's uh, extremely dangerous war, and uh, again, I'm, I'm not going to say it's peer, but it's as long as North Korea has has nukes, 
and has the potential of obliterating the northern half of Seoul. You've got uh, a frozen war that has the appearance, bad pun, of a, of a peer conflict. Uh, toss out a couple of more. Colombia versus Venezuela, not as internationally uh, dangerous, but similar, similar forces. Uh, and just think back, 1995, uh, Peru versus Ecuador. Peru is a, uh, is a regional power in uh, South America. Ecuador isn't necessarily, but Ecuador is very savvy on the way it uh, uses and prepares its military forces. So you ended up with a standoff. Uh, last, and certainly not least, is Israel versus Iran. Are they both nuclear powers? We don't know. We know Israel is, and we know uh, Iran wants to be. Differences emerge. Israel has definite strategic reach. Iran's trying to achieve it. But then Israel would have, I believe, Arab allies. I'm going to get back in. I said, remember, ally is Taiwan. <laughs> now, United Arab Emirates, for example, has got a crack little air force, excellent forces, and they're right across the Persian Gulf, or I guess it's Arab Gulf, the uh, Arabian Gulf uh, on, on some maps. Uh, from Iran. So to get back to those are all this, at least the first four or five I mentioned, uh, major conflicts that uh, will shake the globe economically, uh, politically, and, and uh, most of them risk uh, nuclear warfare. But Jim got into this when he started talking about some of the, what we've seen are tactical flaws in, uh, Russian, uh, in, in Russian tanks. But that's not just the only, but they're always flaws. So they are no real peers. Somebody's got weaknesses that the other guy doesn't see or the other guy uh, assumes, and they emerge when you actually go into combat. Uh, how you overcome it is you have a military logistics and political systems that are able to adapt. That's a big differentiator. We've seen that Ukraine can and Russia can, uh, can adapt. Russia, slow to adapt. So they end up going back to World War I tactics. Um, also, what do you do when it comes to evaluating will? You know about the will to fight once it starts. Question, does Taiwan have the will to do what Ukraine's doing? Uh, I can all but guarantee that Finland and South Korea and Israel do, the example of three other nations in arms, uh, <clears throat> they're going to fight, and uh, they're set up to fight, and the Russians respect the Finns, and the Chinese and North Koreans know what the South Koreans are up to, and everybody knows that the Israelis uh, uh, defend uh, will defend Israel. So uh, does that happen? How does that work out? We now know that Ukraine has the will to defend and Russia has, the Russian people are not in this war. Leadership is another difference. Some of that only emerges though, Dan, once the war starts. Competence, tactical and operational competence. Uh, we've seen a display of competence on Ukraine's part and incompetence on the Russian military's part. Also adaptability. Well, Russia is going through a, a, a place here where they claim they're adapting, but they're adapting by 
supplying mass is what they claim they're going to do. So finally, I get back to allies. Allies really matter because it's never really, well, it can be one-on-one, but in, in, in Russia's case, because they failed with the special operation to knock Ukraine out in three weeks, now they're essentially, uh, not essentially, basically facing uh, a highly motivated Ukraine that is supported by the uh, economies, intelligence, uh, support, uh, material support, and uh, political support of NATO. And uh, not just NATO, they've got a few other uh, international uh, uh, supporters of the nations that, uh, that uh, don't belong, uh, belong to NATO. So suddenly uh, it's, it's near peer. Russia has a great deal of power, far more people than Ukraine does. But when you look at all of the uh, capabilities that, that uh, uh, NATO uh, has and a population and money, are they peers anymore? And finally, resources. Uh, not, not finally at all. In a, a U.S. versus China, now China's created resources with increasing the size of its navy, its air force, and uh, it's improving its uh, its ground forces, professionalizing them. As they, uh, at least that's been the intent. Russia was doing the same thing with their professionalization and modernization, and we see that it really didn't, uh, <coughs> it, it really didn't take. Uh, that's something that uh, a doubt that uh, the, the uh, Chinese Communist Party leaders in, in Beijing need to uh, uh, consider about their, their own forces. But natural resources, as well as the uh, military and uh, manufacturing resources that are, are created. And uh, one reason China is trying this, at least the in the Belt and Road Initiative, to have landlines running to the the Middle East, is because they rely so much on uh, oil being shipped and resources uh, being shipped from the uh, Southwest Asia and uh, and Africa. Uh, U.S. can, if if it were set up set up properly. There's enough in North America and South America that you can basically uh, supply everything from uh, on what would amount to uh, strategic interior lines. But um, Canada and uh, uh, and uh, uh, Mexico and, and the uh, and the U.S. There's that's a geographic differentiator. Uh, I, I realize Russia, if Russia is supplying uh, uh, China in the uh, in this war has vast natural resources. So China could uh, uh, <clears throat> could equilibrate it uh, if, uh, with a, a solid uh, strategic Russian, uh, Russian alliance. But all of these get into it when you're saying they're near peer, maybe in an initial uh, conflict that kicks off one or an initial clash where it's one-on-one. Uh, one on one. But over time, you'll, you'll all these other factors come into play. So, Jim, is there what are the chances of a, a near peer war happening? I think it's a lot lower now that after what happened to Russia. Uh, Russia was really a wake up call. If you think you're near peer, uh, you'd better think twice before you take on somebody who was also near peer. Uh, the Ukrainians were not considered near peer, 
Lefingo, as Austin pointed out, because of the support they got from NATO. And now, you know, NATO has basically said, yes, once this war is concluded, you will join NATO and the EU, the European Union, which, uh, which, you know, Ukraine always wanted to join the European Union. They were not so hot on joining NATO because Russia opposed it. This is before the invasion. Once they invaded, the opinion polls, you know, shot the other way. They said, oh, hell yes, join NATO. And in effect, Ukraine has become a member of NATO uh, in all but name. Uh, and in fact, NATO is NATO appreciates the fact that they're not, their people are not fighting in Ukraine. And if they send Ukraine enough weapons, Ukraine will win uh, so far as they will push the Russians out. And the Russians will, will may still lust, as it were, for rebuilding their empire, starting with, you know, Ukraine, Belarus, parts of Poland and what have you, and the Baltic states. But those the potential victims are all well aware of what situation they're in. And they're gearing up, you know, and basically telling the Russians, if you thought Ukraine was a hard nut to crack, we'll be even harder. I mean, for example, South Korea. Uh, North Korea keeps making noises about their nuclear weapons. In fact, they recently said that we will not use, as before, the, you know, uh, you know, uh, you know uh, not, we now will use the first use, uh, you know, of nuclear weapons. We won't wait to be attacked. So... The North Korean response to that is, all right, we're going to develop nuclear weapons, uh, which they can do. Uh, Japan can also develop nuclear weapons. Now, for years, you know, it was a joke. You know, how long would it take? 30 days, 90 days? Because they have plenty of plutonium. Their nuclear uh, reactors uh, produce plutonium. And, um, uh, you know, the joke was, well, it'll take them 30 days or 90 days. They could. Uh, And so basically one side effect of these nuclear wars is that creates more nuclear powers, which, you know, means there's more possibility of a, a nuclear war, which nobody wants. But, you know, if you have enough uh, trigger happy, you know, uh, uh, nuclear weapons, you know, owners, uh, the possibility of a nuclear, another nuclear war increases. Now, again, people are still living in the shadow of, you know, what happened to Japan. Those two nuclear weapons did save a lot of Japanese lives because it, it scared the Japanese into accepting, um, you know, uh, total surrender, which they had opposed. Um, and uh, for that reason, you know, it, it's it's saved the, the, uh, the Japanese from a, uh, a starvation campaign, which was already underway. They, they don't produce enough of their own food. They were importing a lot of it from uh, Manchuria, from China. And we already had a, uh, you know, a, 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 Blockade, as it were, which was very effective, and they would have starved if the war had gone on another year. I mean, millions would have, have starved to death or died from starvation, you know, hunger-related diseases. Um, but you know, every situation is going to be different. Uh, the next time there's a nuclear war, one side or both sides might get, you know, carried away, and you might have, you know, a lot of radiation in the air uh, drifting, you know, around the world. Um, Chernobyl sort of demonstrated how that could happen. Uh, that was under, uh, you know, when Ukraine was part of Russia. Uh, you, you know, uh, Ukraine now owns Chernobyl. It was part of uh, Ukraine. And uh, it's a lesson to them, you know, about the, the danger of nuclear weapons because the, the, uh, the basically the radiation spewed out of the uh, one of the uh, melting, as it were, uh, reactors basically gave Europe a taste. 
of radiation because you know the the Russians denied, denied, denied. But then Swedish radiation detectors started picking up large increases in radiation coming out of you know uh, Russia, and the Russians had to back backtrack. So you know people are suitably frightened uh, if they see the impact of these weapons. Um, now North Korea is you know a bunch of <laughs> bunch of the basically run by a, a you know a, a mad you know dynasty, the Kim dynasty. Which is starving its people. I mean, the situation is getting worse and worse up there, um, and uh, and you know, people have been waiting for the, the break, as it were, for the regime, for the government there to collapse. It still hasn't happened. The just goes to show you how stubborn Koreans can be. But the South Koreans can be just as stubborn. For a long time, they 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 sought to make peace with North Korea by sending them goodies and what have you. That backfired, and now they don't they don't do it anymore. They don't think in those terms. They basically tell the, uh, as Austin put it out, we are better armed than you, and now we're working on nukes, and once we have those, you have nothing. Uh, now, that may not dissuade the, the Kim uh, you know, government uh, entirely, but it certainly gives them a little pause, uh, because if there is a war, you know, the Kims won't survive it, but that's a hell of a way to get rid of the Kim dynasty. Uh, so, you know, again, the, the experience with near period wars, I think as as taught everybody that this is something you want to avoid. Uh, even if you really feel you're stronger, uh, don't do it. And in fact, uh, back in the 1980s, I, I did a book with a, a co-author on how to stop a war. And we did an analysis of the all the wars in the previous 200 years. And there's all, you probably still find it on Amazon. It's still out of print. Uh, but we found the most common cause of wars was real estate disputes, big surprise, and the attacker feeling that they really could win when they couldn't. So just goes to show you, people just don't learn. Austin near peer wars, the chance of them happening. I have to think. Well, um, you see one happening, Dan. It really started in, in 2014. Uh, it wasn't a near peer then, but it's by. Uh, 2022, it certainly was. So the, the the chance of one happening is 100% right now. If define Ukraine and uh, and and Russia, um, it's tough though, Dan, to come in and 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 make an estimate of whether India and China is really going to kick off again. I don't think the Chinese want to do it because they have uh, they're they're really trying to break out uh, in the Pacific. Uh, the Indians don't want to do it. Uh, if we rate Pakistan and India as a near-peer war, uh, that could kick off again. It could be. It could could kick off by because of uh, Islamic uh, uh, militancy. Kashmir is unresolved, uh, but I don't think it's likely. Don't think it's likely. And uh, one of the things, if we go back to that. Uh, January uh, 2022 uh, strategy talk we had when Jim and I were talking about where the Russians invade. It may, may have been the first week of February last year, now I think about it. Uh, Jim was saying, I don't think they're going to do it. And I said, I doesn't make sense for them to do it, but you have to look at the map and tell you what the map says. And they're setting up to do it. I mean, go back and, and play that up. You have to, yes. I'm, I'm speaking now as, a, as an officer as uh, ending there in uh, the uh, <clears throat> plans and operations uh, 
shed saying, what do you think? And I said, you're going to have to pay attention to the, to the signals that the enemy sends you. And, uh, but right now, you don't see that, that signaling by uh, India and Pakistan. I think Colombia and Venezuela, I put that in there because they have uh, peer-like qualities, but Colombia is much stronger, has lots of internal issues. Venezuela has uh, in countless uh, internal uh, uh, weaknesses, but there's there's an example of of a of a danger. It is a dangerous uh, situation between uh, uh, two ant antagonists. You might say that that's it's going on right now at a very very uh, uh, low level. Uh, Iran is tough to estimate. Based on bluster factor, the Iranians in it, if, if, you know, Iran's really at war with what I think at one time Jim and I counted them up. It was like 18 or 19 different nations they were having really low level uh, uh, conflict with. I don't know what it is now, but at the, at the time, this was about, this was about 20 years ago that, uh, that went through that little uh, exercise. And the, the uh, Khomeini's regime was, was doing that. It wasn't with, with peers. But uh, they are in a situation where if they really are going to uh, go to war with Israel, that's, I think Israel has, you know, vastly better strategic and operational power, but Iran is huge uh, in, in comparison. It's uh, be an interesting fight. In some ways, Dan, that war is already on. It just hasn't turned into the large-scale conventional or nuclear conflict uh, it could. So... What I was doing there, Dan, was avoiding giving you a direct answer because you don't know. And I don't know what the, the map's telling me right now about uh, Israel and Iran. So when I made that comment uh, last year, uh, there were all kinds of satellite photography and very, very credible reports, reports about where the Russians were uh, uh, <clears throat> marshalling forces in Belarus and uh, in Russia. Uh, along the Ukraine border and even preparing. This was before the regular Russian forces uh, moved overtly into the uh, into the Donbass, which they did uh, in the, uh, what is it, around February 20th, just two or three days before they actually uh, formally kicked off uh, uh, off the invasion. You could, you could see it, the evidence was there. So, but it's, it's look, go back to what Jim said, they're dangerous. They really are dangerous. And uh, one of the reasons South Korea is on the verge of becoming a nuclear power, along with Japan, is because they take North Korea seriously, they take China seriously. And as for, you know, that Jim said that joke, how, how long would it take Japan to get a bomb a month or whatever? Uh, I remember reading, I forget who's, who wrote it, he says, I don't know whether it was a direct quote of a, a Japanese defense official. The individual was not named. It was like, could you give us a week? It's, I remember. And of course, that's that's uh, cheeky. And at some level, it's uh, a knowledgeable individual making a joke. But it's not a, it's not a joke that Japan and South Korea can make a bomb if that's what they want to do. They have the technical competence and uh, to do it, and uh, North Korea and China have no one to blame but themselves if they do it. 
Well, we'll stop there. Uh, good information, gentlemen, and we'll talk to you next time. Take, Take care, care, guys. Bye.